Dude, what's up? How's it going, Cameron? How's it going? How's, how are you today? I'm pretty good, man. You, uh, you know. You're full? Yeah, I'm, I've had a sandwich. I'm good. That's good. Okay, so here, I'm going to go into the intro here, and then we're going to start chatting casually and, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. We just got to set up our show, you know what I'm saying? I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty, too. Hey, everyone. Cameron here. Welcome to the second episode of Framework, a film-centric podcast and YouTube show about how single frames in popular films speak to the rest of the film as a whole. On this show, producers, writers, directors, and cinematographers break down films and dig deeper into the art form as a medium for storytelling in this modern world. So what's up? I mean... I mean, I didn't I mean, sleep last night. I didn't really... I mean, I slept. I slept more than you did. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I was watching. You were watching me sleep. Yeah, that's why I didn't sleep last night. Oh. No, that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I'm just going to jump into a little bit of recap. Okay. If you don't mind, Kevin. Sure. Just really quickly. Please remind me. I can't remember things because I didn't sleep. That's a good idea. Yeah. I think we're just going to jump right into a quick little recap. All right. So okay. for those of you who skipped the pilot episode, we talked about the 2019 film Joker directed by Todd Phillips and featured Robin Johnston, a cinematographer from Toronto. And just a reminder, my name is Cameron. I'm a writer producer focusing on all kinds of content. I've produced four award-winning short films and I'm currently de developing a feature script. Today we're going to talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the World thanks to Mr. Kevin Drews who's here with us today. Hello everybody. How are you today? Are you asking me or are you asking the audience? Everybody is are you, are you, you everybody includes you. Okay. Well, I'm great. I'm fantastic. That's great. That's great. So, we are here in the Red Curtain Entertainment we, offices. Should we jump into like a little bit of ASMR? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, because we got to go we got to talk close to the mic because should we do cuz the computer's very loud. Dude, look. You I mean, I helped a little bit. What? But you built this studio. Yeah. In your backyard basically. You and built this city. We built this city. Uh, no, copyright. Oh, shit. But, uh, you, you built this in your backyard. I helped you clear it out. I had back pains for a week because of it. Now I have shin splints. And uh, we're recording. And we found out that uh, your computer's got the default fans in it. So they're not quiet. They're pretty fucking loud. Yeah. So we might have to try and phase it out. It's pretty consistently at a, at a certain frequency, though. So I have the CPU fan that came with the CPU. So I didn't buy it. Silent you know what we'll have to do is when we start making money from this podcast, we'll have yeah. to start. We'll have to buy a new fan. Yeah, yeah. Does that yeah. sound like a good idea? Sounds like a good. Sounds idea. like a good idea. So, yeah. just for everybody listening today, the quality of our audio is going to be a little bit lessened in comparison to the first episode. Just bear with us uh, as best you can. I think for this episode, I'm going to put markers in the YouTube description. I don't know how to do that. You know, not oh, yet. You, you, you just put, you just write down the timestamps. So, okay, cool. And so what I'll, I might do is write down the timestamps. If you want to skip over a couple things and not listen to us for an hour, I completely understand. But make sure that you listen to the meat and potatoes because we're going to talk about an awesome film called Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Thanks to Mr. Kevin DeRuse. Kevin, is this your favorite film? Uh, it's one of my favorite films. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's one great, of mine now. Yeah, it's a great so. film. Yeah, you, I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Until last week, dude. I know. Like, what is going on? Especially, we'll have to get a, into it's that. It's a Toronto film too. Um, I know. Twenty ten as well. So, so you know, 
we can jump into this really quick, but before we do that, I just want to introduce you or I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself so everybody knows who you are. I mean, if you're a watcher of Red Curtain Entertainment or Dr. Masaki, you pretty well know who Kevin DeRus is, but just tell me a little bit about yourself. What I've got written here is that you're Kevin, mm-hmm. you're a YouTuber, an editor, and a filmmaker. Oh, yeah. Is that a pretty good... You're also like a musician, a VFX artist. And, yeah, I don't know. Who you know, I am. Who, how do you, you know, <laughs> is this a is this podcast framework episode going to turn into like an identity thing? Yeah, it's gonna be my identity <laughs> just, crisis. Right so here. just just tell me what you do currently, and we'll kind of go from there. So well, yeah, go like just start there. Well, currently I'm editing videos for James, the box office artist. Ooh, uh, shout out. Shout out. He's a uh, he's he, he's a VFX artist, and a, uh, he was also working for Marvel as a comic book artist. Wow, so, nice. Um, and you're so, editing videos for his channel. So I'm editing videos for his YouTube channel. Nice. And I'm also nice. making YouTube videos on my own channel with Cameron. Yeah, awesome. Since uh, 2011. Yeah, we've been doing it for a while. I mean, you've been doing it with like Tim and uh, yeah, a couple other people YouTube, for like yeah. a bit longer and before YouTube. Mm-hmm. You and I met in, in seventh grade. So I mean, we knew like each it. other in sixth grade, but we kind of really started hanging out and doing like those haunted videos and, and the Kapla and Kapla montage and like the, the grade eight sleepover thing where yeah. Vincent and I to this day still call each other an asshole. Asshole asshole and so that's a that's a joke but um but yeah we've been hanging out for a long time you know um we've, we've made a film called blue inflatable ball yeah the blue inflatable series 2011 yeah. dude that's an yeah. epic that's an epic series man you can also find speechless i made speechless part four yeah part four part oh, and you could consider one two three three, three and a half four and then including some other teaser trailers yeah, in there. you got about yeah. 60 minutes of content probably yeah so. and we worked on that together so. Yeah. yeah so we've done a lot of good good stuff we got stuff planned including this podcast including kevin's plan to do videos every week he also helped me out on the sizzle that Robin uh, plugged last episode, the Run Boy Run sizzle. Mm-hmm. And we want to turn that into a short film and eventually a feature film. And Kevin's going to help out with that. Yes. So that's our little intro for you, Kevin. I mean... Would you consider the Japan series as well? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, like a, that's a big documentary it's vlog It's kind of like series. a documentary vlog, yeah. Yeah, so that's a huge series. We can link all of this in the it's description. It's a project too, right? So. That's a huge project. Yeah. And we want to go back to Japan, hopefully by the beginning of next year yeah because or the first quarter of next year as soon as possible yeah basically as soon as it would be nice to do like the same block of time again but maybe oh, even in May, in May. maybe even like before we left so we, we could maybe catch like the, march april yeah the, so we could catch the the, the cherry blossoms the cherry blossoms yeah that'd be sick yeah that'd be sick um so we're gonna do that next year mm-hmm. that's that's already in the calendar that's in the calendar as of right now yep um but yeah, just a reminder of how the show works. We release episodes once every month, ideally on the first Monday of every month. Um, but since this is our own, only like our second episode, we're still working out kinks. We're still working out how it's going to be produced. But one thing will remain the same, and that is that we will always be talking about movies, TV shows, 
YouTube shows, short films, etc., etc., etc. Today we just happen to be talking about a film, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, um, and I am going to go into a one to two minute summary of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Hopefully, it'll be less than that. So, by the way, there will there may be spoilers throughout the episode. So if you if you're listening and you're about here, you're safe because you haven't we haven't spoiled anything yet. But I am going to read the summary of the film that I wrote not too long ago to get to give you guys an idea of what Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is. And if you have not seen the film, go watch the film and then come back and listen. I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah. We don't know what we're going to say because we're recording this together and we don't have a script. But, but you're going to edit it. We're going to edit it. And if we start talking and it's spoiling, I'm sorry, but it's going to go in the episode. Right. So go watch the movie. You've had 10 years to watch the movie. Yeah, go watch it. There's already the 10 year anniversary. It's already the 10, 10 year anniversary. All right, here we go. Scott Pilgrim is an action packed romantic. Oh, dude, I didn't even get to the S's dude, and I fucked it up. Dude, okay. okay. Scott Pilgrim is an action packed romantic comedy adventure film with notes of magical pseudo supernatural superhero science based on a graphic novel by Canadian Brian Lee O'Malley featuring a gang of young adults that have their very own indie punk rock band called the Sex Bobombs. Now that's a mouthful. That, dude, that was a great sentence though. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> it was Did way too long, but it was Yeah, no, I, I just gave up with that. That was I didn't pre-write that at all. Oh their musical god. goal is to make you think about death and feel sad and stuff. And apparently they're all garbage trucks, but you can take my word for it, they aren't actually garbage. The bassist and our protagonist, Scott Pilgrim, played by an awkwardly hysterical version of Michael Sarah, starts out dating a 17-year-old high schooler named Knives Chow. What a name, right? Uh, Knives Chow. Of course, he receives criticism from his band of friends, sister, and gay roommate for being five years older than she is. As the film progresses, we slowly learn more and more about Pilgrim's past, especially of his past girlfriend who goes by the name Envy. Perhaps what complicates his life and current relationship with Knives more than anything is the introduction of Ramona Flowers, whom he quickly falls for. Following their introduction, Pilgrim romances Ramona and struggles to break up with Knives. And if this is not enough drama for one movie, Scott soon learns that Ramona has seven deadly exes who are out to destroy him, resulting in battles to the death and a fallout that comes as a result. Wow. So I wrote that not too long ago, just as as kind of my a revised summary of what I read on IMDb. Yeah. Because IMDb does a good job of concisely writing out kind of what a film is about. Mm-hmm. There's a bit more color in this summary that I think I like. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now, would you agree with that summary? Would you want to add anything else, Kevin? No, it sums it up. I mean, it's it's very. Uh, it follows the comic book very well. Um, it's, it's, it's it's visually it's different from any other any other uh, young adult film. Mm-hmm, definitely. Oh, yeah. And I wrote an extended overview slash review of this film, mm-hmm. which I have not published yet. But the uh, basically the the point the the review basically comments on how like colorful the the film is and how, um, you know, may I haven't read the comic or the graphic the graphic novel, but mm-hmm. 
how reminiscent of a graphic novel it really is. And Edgar Wright really brings his his power uh, of sort of his magic magical power of filmmaking yeah. to create this film, yeah. which I think which I think is wonderful. But Frameworks not necessarily about the film as a whole. It's about how frames, frames. connect to the film as a whole. So, right. Kevin, you're our guest today because you teased Scott Pilgrim on our last episode. Oh my goodness! And like we said earlier, we're good friends. What frame or scene would you like to talk about? Well, there's that frame that stuck out. Uh, quite a bit. I thought when I when I first saw the movie, I thought it was hilarious. Like I, because uh, all over all over Toronto, there's there's pedestrian X signs all mm-hmm. over the place, right? Uh, with the yellow X lights, you know, crossing lights ab- above the streets. And what what uh, was the who was the cinematographer or um? Anyways, the um, in in one shot. In one of the shots, um, after Scott learns about having the, he has to battle seven X's. Mm-hmm. He's walking underneath these uh, the pedestrian crossing signs, and there's seven X's in the frame. There's exactly above, seven all around him. Yeah, and I thought that was, I thought that blew my mind the first time I saw it. I'm like, this is that's so creative. That's amazing. Cinematography by Bill Pope. Bill Pope. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this, I I know the frame that you're talking about, and for the viewers who are on YouTube, that frame is up Mm -hmm. on screen right now. It's not on Um, our screen, though. No, but it's about to be. There you go. Yeah. Um, If you do want to watch the film, I would recommend that you wait till the theatrical release if you're in Canada. But if you're in the States, congratulations, you're all vaccinated, you can go to the movies. Um, The... The in, we, we watched this together on Amazon uh, Stars, um, Stars TV or whatever the fuck it's called. But uh, but yeah, this this frame stood out to me as well, and I noticed right away that there were seven X's in this frame. Yeah, you know, two on the sides and then five above his head. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something about where he's positioned and where the X's are. What was that? When we talked about oh, this, oh, he, um, yeah, he's directly underneath it because he's, uh, I guess, um, oppressed. He's yeah, yeah, definitely. He's uh, he's thinking about it. It's on his mind. Yeah, and it's all surrounding his mind. The all the X's. Yeah, and you know what? That's that's something that cinematography, in general, with you know, with other films, not not just this one. Uh, it, they it, it accomplishes, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, cinematography is a is a it's a visual language, right? Yeah. And that that that's it is the medium. It's a not a medium, but um, yeah, the tool that the filmmakers use mm-hmm. um, to bring the story to life, visually speaking, and and to show what the characters are and, thinking, right? and to show exactly what the character is is yeah. thinking, and and. I mean, this is Toronto, and they they obviously filmed during winter months because there's snow all over the place. Actually, they filmed this in April, and they they added the snow. What? Wow. Uh, there was like behind the scene. They start. I think they started filming in the winter, but it was like. They, Wait. They, they, so, are, is this snow fake? Yeah, there was. I think there was like fake snow for some scenes. But I think this snow is fake too. Dude, that's unbelievable! It looks so fucking realistic. Yeah. <laughs> 
and that that's interesting. You you're kind of bringing that uh, a perspective of more knowledge about the film because you saw it sooner than I did. Mm-hmm. Also, a visual effects perspective. I would not have guessed that this is that this snow is fake. Yeah, some of it's got to be real. Well, yeah, I I'm not sure if this this scene okay. was. Uh, I remember seeing uh, behind the scenes, and they were adding snow. I could be wrong. They might have to fact fact check. Fact check that. Fact check. Fact check. Yeah, fact check. Fact, so does that well, mean you're gonna go work. fact check it or? Let's go. Want to go fact check? Yeah, go fact check it for me. Uh, but yeah, no, that that's that's really interesting. I mean, I mean, there's a lot like. For example, in Canada, we do a lot of uh, Hallmark films um, for the States and, um, well, also for Canada. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the interesting thing about it is that we shoot basically all of these Christmas movies yeah. in the summer months. Right. So all the snow is practical. Basically, all the snow is practical. Yeah. Um, and then some is visual effects, but there's not a huge budget for visual effects. So they try and capture as much as they can on screen um, as possible. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, if they started filming and then the snow kind of disappeared and for continuity reasons, they had to keep snow, then it would make sense that they would have to, yeah. to put VFX into it. Um, but yeah, so you got a couple of frames here. Let's talk about this one for a little bit. Okay. Um, is there something about this frame, this one, that um, aside from the this um, compositional oppression mm-hmm. that's going on that you want to talk about, or do you want to just dive into the composition of this frame? Um, or do, or is there something else that you want to talk about? For we know framework is meant to be really diverse so there's lots of topics that we can talk about but if there's one in particular that's on your mind we'll jump right into that i don't sure, know about you could, but yeah, i can could. hear like a grass cutter like oh, i can hear someone's lawn. mowing their lawn jeez dude <laughs> welcome to the red curtain entertainment outdoor oh every time we're trying studio. to film something there's always there's always, always something someone counting their grass it's, it's okay i've heard i've heard podcasts with shittier quality so <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, I'm not even joking. There's like there's some podcasts out there, like true crime podcasts. Yeah, where like they give you a whole bunch of warnings about their audio quality, but like they go out into the field. Yeah, and they go to the now the noisiest parts of town to record these interviews, and you can barely hear what the people are saying. So the narrator has to come into a studio and repeat everything that the person said. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there is worse out there. Trust me. That's uh, well, I guess it's all about the content. I yeah, that's right. I can't find it. I don't know. I don't know where it is, Cameron. I'm sorry. That's okay. We don't have to. We don't have to talk too much about that. Snow looks fake, though. In this shot, I've seen a lot of snow in Toronto. And well, you went to school in Toronto. That's true. Probably close by to where this was filmed, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about composition. Because it really is an interesting thing going... Um, there's a really interesting thing going on in this frame. And can you just pull up the film for me? I think the snow's fake because snowbanks don't look like that in Toronto. No? Well... They're usually that's like piled up on the yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe what he's walking on is not fake. It is fake. But the oh, 
but the sidewalks are. Maybe. Because I would feel like the sidewalks would be cleared in Toronto before the road. Yeah, and for something to be, if it was in April, you would have more snowbanks. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but yeah, let's jump into talking about, I think composition would be cool. And, and we it's can, symmetrical. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. It is symmetrical. And there's, there's lots of symmetry going on in this frame. Um, do you want to just remind our audience where this frame is in the film? Can we pull it up on Amazon to find like how oh, many minutes about, in? It's about in the middle of the film. Um, let's let's pull that up. Oh. Here we go. About fifty-four minutes in the film. So about fifty-four minutes into the film, we how many X's have we seen him battle? Two, two so far. So and there are two on two on the signs. This is and about. Four or five left on top of them. The, see, there's so much more going on <laughs> visually that, like, as indicators where if this if this film or sorry if this scene was shot differently, yeah. you wouldn't have seen this. You could they they could have easily ignored the signs. Yeah, but somebody made the conscious decision to include them. Well, I think they did. They did add those signs in there because normally there's just one yellow blinking light above the street. Not there's yes. Not five this is this is not. Yeah, that's an average one or two. Yeah, but not fine. <laughs> so they definitely did add those. Um, so now, yeah, let's let's talk about that symmetry a little bit more, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what what were you thinking? No, I think yeah, I think the uh, so first of all, the the fact that he's in the center brings our focus. Right. Okay. So the signs, while they're an excellent addition to this uh, to this frame to this scene, the focus is on him, mm-hmm. right? And 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 that I think brings apart brings about this this symmetry because obviously, um, if he wasn't walking in the middle, then there would be a break of that symmetry. Yeah. Um, assuming the shot would remain the same. Mm-hmm. So and and the fact that he's already battled two exes mm-hmm. right he's met ramona he's battled two exes um he's had to break up with knives right like right. these these are all not so good things i mean you break up with your girlfriend and mm-hmm. then you find somebody else and she kind of provides a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for you and then you realize she comes with all this baggage yeah and so that's not good so he's sort of approaching a low point where he feels like there's things are coming down on top of him and mm. the world is is sort of um, n- uh, less within his control, mm-hmm. um, right? Protagonists and characters, they like to be they like to be in control. And I think in this case, the symmetry and the fact that he's in the center and the fact that he's buried by this archway of X's shows very visually and very evocatively, that he's losing a little bit of control. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we we see that through not just what Michael Sarah is um, emoting, but from the cinematographer's vantage point. Yeah. Uh, it also seems like the, you know, the camera is uh, positioned sort of below him. Like, it's not... Yeah, it's at, pretty low to the ground. It's pretty low to the ground. Like, it's not at... 
It's not at eye line, right? Yeah. And and um, you know, I mean, some people might argue that you know we we use that angle to show that this character has dominance. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're using the camera in a way to provide us with a feeling of yes, he's being buried by these exes, but there's a little bit of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's sort of like a it's sort of like a middle of the road frame. You know, there's a little bit of depression in there. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of you know pessimism and and sadness and. I'm at a low point and I, I can't get out and I, I'm going to lose this girl forever feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's five X's above him, which remind you how many X's there are left to go. Yeah. You know, but we're also shooting it from below. So he's the dominant. He, he's dominating the camera. Yeah. Okay. The camera is not dominating him. So maybe there's a little bit of strength still in him. Right. Yeah. And something I mentioned in my overview of the film is that, you know, um, we like we have to sympathize with him, and we have to understand from a writer's perspective and from an audience's perspective that what he is fighting for is worth it. Yeah, and I think Ramona is worth it, like to him. Right, she came into his life, or he came into hers, and then he fought for him as as easy as it was to kind of win her over. Mm-hmm. Right, spoiler, like. <laughs> yeah as easy as it was to convince her to go on a date with him, like he did. Yeah. You know? Um, but, but yeah, I think, but now he's stressed. Now he's now, upset. Now he's stressed and upset and he's got to, he's got to, you know, destroy these remaining five X's. Yeah. Um, now perhaps the use of symmetry and the fact that there's kind of two feelings, a feeling of hope and dominance and a feeling of depression and sadness coming together I think the symmetry is a choice that um, harks back to that, that right. reminds us of that. Yeah. We're putting him in the center because these two emotions and feelings are meeting, mm-hmm. are meeting in the center. And he's the center of, of this Scott program versus the world universe that's pseudo superficial, like pseudo, you know, scientific. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but so that's kind of maybe my small interpretation of this frame. What do you think? No, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you're you're a lot better at this than I am, but uh, yeah, I mean, I also like the I love, I love how the the just like the trees. I mean, they're they're kind of like they're they're all just all on top of them. It draws the eyes, like just like they. I don't know how you explain, but you know, they just, it just it, it adds. It's just a, it's just a great frame, you know. I just you know I just like looking at it. You just like it's just pretty. It's pretty. It's just pretty. It's pretty. It, it 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 says a lot about you know how he's feeling and what's going on in the scene. Definitely, definitely. Like where it is in the movie. And so. do what do you think? What do you think of of sort of what it shows about the setting about Toronto? Whether the snow's fake or not, mm-hmm. like do you think it's a do you think it's a natural, realistic painting of of Toronto? Like, is this something that you oh, yeah. would see when you're walking through the suburbs of Toronto? Oh yeah, this is definitely a Toronto suburb. And no, you, it. and I mean, as somebody from Toronto, we know that. But 
you know, if somebody from New York or whatever who's never been to Toronto, maybe New York's a bad example. Mm. If somebody from California who's never been to Toronto were to come and walk around Toronto and was a big fan of Scott Pilgrim, they'd be like, oh, Scott Pilgrim was totally filmed here. Like, you get the feeling of Scott Pilgrim yeah, yeah. and the setting of Toronto in this... You really get the feeling of Toronto film. in this film. In the in the whole film. In the whole film. Yeah. Um, but I think this... You know, the idea... It's sort of there's so many different things merging, so many things that appear as opposites are merging in this in this frame at this time mm-hmm. of the movie and at this time of uh, Scott's basically journey, yeah, his journey, right? The another thing that's kind of you know colliding mm-hmm. is the tone of the film has changed. From something that is a bit more natural, mm-hmm. okay, realistic, to something that's a bit more like comic, really in your face comic booky. Yeah. Like, of course, the the beginning of the film, there are subtle nuances that Edgar Wright chooses to use, like with the like with the on screen graphics of introducing the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, the the title sequence, the eight bit Universal logo, the subtitles, the yeah. subtitles, okay. Those are little things in in Wright's toolkit that he uses to kind of allude to its audi- to his audience. We're in a fucking comic book. Yeah. Okay. Now, as somebody myself who hadn't seen the film before, I didn't really pick up on those. But then he meets the first X, which is I think about thirty minutes into the film. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we know we're in a fucking graphic novel yeah. because, like, all of a sudden Scott Pilgrim's got powers that you didn't think he had. <laughs> Unless yeah. you've seen the gra- unless you've read the graphic novel, yeah. So something that I think is happening here, and he is, kills them in front of everybody, and nobody cares, and nobody cares. They just go back to playing music. Yeah, <laughs> um, the music's great in this film, by the way, um, and the music in most Edgar Wright films is is great. Oh yeah. But what's happening here is we've made that tonal shift, mm-hmm. and yet there aren't any magically comic booky elements to this frame right there's no graphics there's no like otherworldly elements to this scene this frame mm-hmm. it's just him and it's just a painting of his life with a couple of extra axes above his head yeah um and that and that is interlaced into the film in between moments of magical realism so I think that's also happening here. Is there Does, anything else you want to add about this frame? Uh, he has a nice coat. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it is a nice. It's probably like a $300 coat. Oh, yeah. And it's got an X on it as well. No shit. It's got a patch. Well, it's on the shoulder. It shows in the next frame. That he takes it off. But. Dude, there's X's everywhere. Oh, yeah. I see how many find it. Let's see how many X's you like can find. We, like, we even, like, crossing drumsticks. Yeah, the, the crossing They do the that drumsticks. in the movie, yeah. yeah. in the movie. Yeah. There's X's everywhere. There's there's the one in the beginning that was foreshadowing of the... Um, uh, let's see if I can pull it up. In the very beginning... Oh, literally everything is foreshadowed. It's very Holy fuck. <laughs> with the... With the with the paths of the snow in the snow, make it make a cross. 
Dude. And there's also a sound effect that plays when they show it. See, it's like a, just a little bit of an ominous sound effect. Like ominous ambience that reminds you like... Yeah, it's like, oh, this is foreshadowing. Now, that's a good... That's a good question. I mean, we're moving away from cinematography a little bit, but that's totally okay because I think framework is, you know, the idea behind framework is, is yes, it's how a single frame um, translates to the bigger picture and, um, and how it speaks to the picture uh, overall. But it's okay, I think, because framework is evolving and we're, you know, this is only the second episode, so we had no idea where this where this uh, podcast would go and and whatnot. So I think it's great that this podcast is evolving with episodes over time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also really good that one frame sparks so much discussion. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to the second frame that you've that you've pulled up yeah, um, with the with the, the the other one. Sorry, the second the, the snow the, the one, snow pass. The snow. Moving on to this frame just for a second. Knowing that Scott Pilgrim and Knives are in the center of, of the path, not in the center of the frame, mm-hmm. and the path is an X, yeah, right? What do you think this is foreshadowing? Are we foreshadowing the the entirety of the storyline with how the X's play in, or, or one is are cross we paths? Are we? Yeah, are we? What are we foreshadowing? Because there's so many things. Because there's so many uses of the X's. Yeah. Ramona's X's, right? The actual, like, battles themselves, mm-hmm. right? An X is kind of like, you know, symbolizing something being wrong or something being destroyed. Mm-hmm. So are we foreshadowing the end of their relationship? Maybe. Or are we foreshadowing the battles themselves? Like, what do you yeah. think is happening here? It's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was also thinking, like, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, they're on a path. They're yeah. on paths, and and you know, he can. He, there's like a in the end, he has to decide whether to go to Ramona or Knives. Right. And spoiler, you know, there's two different. Yeah, that's a spoiler. <laughs> that's but okay. it's like a two different paths that kind of cross, right? Yeah. And that's that also can be interpreted as that. Um. There's so many interpretations. The other thing that I'm noticing is that they're not walking left to right. They're walking right to left, yeah. which in a North American audience it's, it's unnatural. is unnatural and regret and, and symbolizes regression. Yeah. Right. Which is happening between him and knives, mm-hmm. right? The beginning of the film, right? Yeah. With him and knives there, they have this like great idealistic relationship, mm. you know, with this just going to be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, the fact that there's an axe, the fact that there's paths, the fact that they're walking right to left just shows the downward slope of this relationship. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think you're right. I think it's the the fact that they are paths yeah. is more important than maybe the fact that there there's an X there. But the axe... You're right. The path does go down downward. Downward, yeah. Visually. Yeah, visually, yeah. yeah. Now, do you think bringing it back to the cinematography, you know, knowing how cameras work and and how how cinematographers place cameras i mean i don't know how this film how this scene is shot it could be in a helicopter or a drone Probably or something put it on a crane or a crane or, yeah now they could have leveled this shot yeah they could have leveled they, it they could have just been going straight from right from right to left that's right but they didn't they kind of angled it so they're they're kind of going downwards yeah just like the relationship you see what cinematography <laughs> can do man it's amazing. 
You see what cinematog- You see what happens in great films where the cinematography supports the story and the script. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, right? Yeah. It's just something as simple as this. It's like it's such a s- simple shot. Yeah. But it has so much meaning. It does. And uh, yeah, it's like place at the beginning and it just foreshadows the rest of the film. And like you said, there's just so many X's placed throughout the whole film. I mean, we could sit here for two hours and watch the whole film and point out all the X's that we see. Yeah. <laughs> um, you had a third. You had a third frame. Well, yeah, this is a little bit different. I mean, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what to make of it, but I noticed that throughout the film they they used a uh, countdown uh, throughout, and like they this this game that they're playing uh, throughout the film. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if this is really more of a um, cinematography kind of thing, because it's also like the the voiceover of the guy doing the countdown. Right. Um, You can talk a little bit about sound if you want. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just, I mean, visually, just looking at it there, I mean, he, uh, um, when, when was when was this? I think he was. Uh, he wants to break up with her, right? At this point, this is when he and he had to think, and then there was a countdown. And, oh, and this I, is, I like, I is like this how, where he like decides to go solo? Well, no, it's after after he after Nega and Ninjam. He 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 was he's told to break up with her that day. Um. And spoiler alert, he breaks up with her after this scene. But you think he's going to break up with her there. Because he's like, I think... Um, he's about to say it. Yeah. And there's the countdown. And it's can funny we watch fun- the scene? Yeah, we can watch it. If we watch it without us, we can cut it out later. But Yeah, yeah. Because I think, if I remember correctly, basically what happens in this game that they're playing is after the countdown, you have to decide whether or not to go solo or as a team. Yeah. So the fact that he decides solo means that one of them dances by themselves and it just sort of shows that they're separating. Yeah, and like also there's a continue with a question mark. Continue? Yeah, continue it's with a question mark. It's not just the game. It could be their continue the relationship. So visually, they're, they're basically... <laughs> visually, they are reminding us as many times as they possibly can that he needs to either continue the relationship or break up with her. Yeah. Oh, this is not when he breaks up with it. This is, uh... It was when he was thinking about it, because he's already f- met Ramona. He was supposed to break up with her, but he didn't do it. I think it's good. I think it's a good... It's a great scene, though, because yeah. he she literally asks him, do you want to continue? Yeah, do you want to continue? But yeah. it's, he's, he's thinking about their relationship. That's right. And I just like how it's he placed that in between them, to continue with the question mark, with the countdown. Well, yeah, and I think it's very much a cinematography thing, like a cinematic yeah. thing, because there's so much space in between them, and they're cut off at the backs. Yeah. Like, it's not a comfortable frame to look at. Right, yeah. And it's completely intentional. Mm-hmm. So your focus is not on either one of them. Your focus is on the the graphic behind it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a cinematography choice. Yeah. That's a decision that Edgar Wright made with his cinematographer, Bill Pope. Right. Yeah, and like how how he's on a time limit as well. Yeah. You know, he's with, he's yeah, already, I mean. He's already started dating Ramona, too. 
Oh yeah, no. I mean, I guess yeah. He's never really physical with either one of them necessarily, all, but, except for in his dreams. But yeah, but the longer he waits, you know, the worse he gets. Right. That's right. The so. more tempting it becomes, and the more difficult it is. And, yeah. Yeah. So. In this case, I think the ten. You know, they used ten because they didn't want to bring in seven or five or four. You know, I think ten. I think this is symbolic of of how much time he has like you're saying mm -hmm. it's not of the exes mm -hmm. like there's probably some exes in this in this scene yeah like i don't know what else is in the scene but there's probably some exes there somewhere. probably is somewhere yeah there's an x where well i mean in the game see i mean there's just a small little x as part of the game when he says bad but i guess that's irrelevant yeah i mean that was probably right yeah but I mean, they are ninjas fighting. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's uh, it's an interesting frame. Um, yeah, I think they they're all interesting frames. They they're all kind of in the first half of the movie. Yeah. Um, that's true. So it's in it's it would be interesting to find some some frames, kind of like maybe near the the second half of the movie to sort of see how the cinematography. Um, changes, changes over the course of the film with his progression and his transition into kind of eliminating these X's one by one. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we don't have to find too many more frames. Yeah, so I think, you know, Framework is evolving into a podcast that will forever be film-centric. We'll talk about TV shows. We'll talk about movies. We'll talk about other sorts of content as well if we ever find a short film yeah, with what a about frame. games? Grant, games? We could talk about games, games too. We could talk about games have frames. Yeah. Games have frames. Game video games have that's a tagline right there. Have cinematics. So have cutscenes. Yeah. So you know, if you seek a movie with a good story about teenaged angsty relationships, but also packs some sort of action and comedy, you know, I promise you, if Michael Sarah does not win over Ramona's heart by the end of it, he'll win over yours. <laughs> so that that's kind of where where I'm at with this with this wow. film. Did you just come up with that? Oh, it's in my review. Oh, okay. um, but Ramona did it for me, though. I mean, like, I feel yeah. like I feel like a lot of dudes just need a Ramona, like, in their lives, you know. Oh yeah. Like I feel I feel like Ramona is this, I don't know, like spunky sort of young adult female character that sort of just, you know, spices up everybody's lives. You know, she's mm -hmm. spontaneous, changes her hair like every week and a half. You know. Yeah. You know, so I think. I think there's some really great stuff about this film that almost anybody, you know, whether or not you've seen the, you've read the comic, the graphic novel, mm -hmm. um, you could get something out of it, you know. Okay. Um, Steven Spielberg once said that a movie cannot rely only on its attractive effects to win over the audience. It first and foremost requires a relatable, lovable, and universal story. Exactly. He was, of course, right, yeah. as Spielberg is normally. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that Scott Pilgrim versus the World is a perfect example. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't just all VFX. No, and, and no. There's something there. You yeah, there's actually something there. And some movies can suffer from just being spectacles, like visual effects spectacles. Yeah, you just know, a bunch of visuals. Just a bunch of visuals, exactly. You know. Um, there's so much to say about this f this film. I mm. really don't think we could do it in one framework episode. Mm. 
you know, I don't even think I would be able to sum up or write out everything that that goes through my head after I finish watching this movie. Yeah. And I mean, it was really interesting to watch this movie for the first time for me yeah. because I'd never seen the trailer. Yeah, that's right. I yeah, never you, read you the thought. graphic novel. <laughs> I didn't even know that it was based on intellectual, like additional intellectual property. I thought it was like an original screenplay. Yeah. And like the, especially the first scene when uh, the first ex Matthew Patel. Yeah. Flies, I was like, what the fuck is going in. on? You were, you were so confused. Yeah. I thought, you know, with, I wrote, I wrote a little bit more about this in my, in my review, but with the first scene of the film, like, I mean, so the universal logo comes in and it's like eight bit, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, they're going to take on some sort of gamer style, you know? Yeah. Like, so that's, it's a great style, you know, keep up with the gamer style mm-hmm. went over right over my head. Okay, fine. <laughs> so we, then we go into the film and they're at this dinner table, the five of them or four of them, like the bandmates mm-hmm. are around this dinner table talking about his 17 year old high school girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, here we go. We're we're going into this romantic drama, comedy thing yeah. about teenage angst, yeah, uh, featuring Michael Sarah, yeah. So I'm like, this is going to be a subdued perks of being a wallflower, Juno, okay, Juno. Yeah. So it's going to be subdued, yeah. All right, and boy was I wrong. <laughs> like Edgar Wright introduces all these characters with these on on screen text boxes mm-hmm. that are reminiscent of like of graphic novels. Mm-hmm. I still didn't catch on. Yeah. Right. So there there and then on screen effects like the streaking from the drumsticks. Yeah. Okay. I still didn't catch on. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the first X shows up, and they're battling, and it's like oh. This is the type of film that we're in. Like, this is the kind of movie we're watching. This is not Juno. This is not Perks of Being a Wallflower. This is something completely fucking different (laughs) that that is so refreshing. You know, Mm -hmm. there was a there was a twist in the film that moved over um, that move that it literally changed for me. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been a change if I had known coming into it what to expect. Yeah. But there was a change for me. Mm-hmm. The expectation was basically crushed with a boulder. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think. Well, I guess that's good that you didn't watch the trailer. Yeah, it's a, you get a it's a much bigger surprise. It is. Yeah. It was an excellent viewing experience, and I really wish we could watch it in theaters because I mean they upresed it to 4K, they mastered it Adobe Atmos. Yeah, for like the 10 year anniversary, yeah. 11 years. Yeah, and Edgar Wright is like a big believer in how this movie was meant for the, the silver screen, like the big screen. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think we should all be watching movies on the big screen. I think it's it's should, a very refreshing and wonderful experience to be in a theater with an audience and watching something on a massive screen. Yeah. We should go sometime. We should. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Record record a podcast in the theater. Yeah. while it's being <laughs> while, we're, while we're watching the movie like while the movie's playing in front of us yeah yeah what was your first viewing experience like i mean you probably saw it closer yeah. to when it came out uh, yeah was, did you read like, the comic it's like in high school i read the comic afterwards okay but it's it was on it was online it was i found it for free but yeah i'm probably uh, there was also now, like right? an animation for it and there's a video game too and there's yeah there's a video game um 
Oh yeah, I know what I was gonna do. I was gonna do our little sponsor spot. Oh yeah, who's it today? Hey Cameron, who's our sponsor today? Our our sponsor for every episode is the same company. And it's your company. It's Red Curtain, <laughs> Curtain Entertainment. Entertainment. This podcast yeah. is brought to you by Red Curtain Entertainment and is filmed in part and in the RCA studios north of Toronto following COVID-19 yeah, guidelines. They are nice enough to lend us this studio that we were recording. Yeah, I mean, it's your studio and you <laughs> built it. So, yeah, I mean, well, it was really fitting to have... You know, Robin come in on the first one to have a, a, a practicing cinematographer on our first episode for a film like Joker, which is obviously completely different from Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yes. And then come in on episode two and talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is a complete 180. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and um, so. Are we going to do a 360? Are we going to do it? Are we going to do a 360? Yeah. I was going to ask you, what movie should we talk about next? Like, I mean, we. we, we Dunkirk. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We could talk about Gun Gunkirk. Fucking Gunkirk. No, Dunkirk. We could talk about Dunkirk. Um, I was thinking we could talk about. There's two movies I was thinking that was on my mind. Um, and they would they would both sort of start to bring us closer to that middle ground between Joker and Scott Pilgrim. Okay. So I wanted to talk about Pirates of the Caribbean. The oh, first, right, yeah. The first Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had in mind to talk about uh, Apollo 13, the Tom mm-hmm. Hanks Apollo 13. Right. So have you seen both of those films? Yes. Well, which Pirates? I think I've seen it. The, the, the first it. Pirates. Yeah, yeah, I've seen um, Curse of the Black Pearl. I think I've seen all of them. But it was yeah, a, I mean, it was a while ago. Pirates of the Caribbean like, just starts going downhill after the third movie. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the first three. The first three are good, and then four just sort of fucks everything up. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Disney? You're, you're, yeah. what the fuck? And then they made Lone Ranger. And then they made Lone Ranger. Which I haven't seen, but I assume it's kind of like Pirates, but in, in the Wild West. Uh, yeah, so... I think one okay. of those two movies. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Who, should we tease it, or should we just I don't know. Well, keep it a get, surprise? Are we going to get another guest? Well, I don't know. I mean... Or, you know what? They can also suggest in the comments below. Yeah, suggest it in the comments below. Yeah. Give me your give me your spiel, Kevin. My spiel? Yeah, did you write anything? For what? I mean, this is the Red Curtain Entertainment spot, so... I mean, and you're the... What kind of spiel? Spiel? Yeah, the Red Curtain Entertainment Spiel. Spielberg. Tell me, tell me where people can find your content. Oh, uh, they can find it on YouTube and on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> they can find it on YouTube and Instagram. I'm on DVD <laughs> and on Facebook. Coming soon to, to Disney, Disney DVD. DVD. Uh, no, I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, youtube.com slash Dr. Masaki, D-R-M-A-S-A-K-I. And, uh, same, same thing for Instagram. I mean, you can find it on the RCE Podcasts YouTube channel as well. If you're, yeah. if you're listening, watching to this on YouTube, you can yeah. find it on the featured channels section. Yeah. Would I even be considered a guest? I don't even know. At, like, you know, at this point. At this point, it's like you own us. Yeah. You're the owner of this podcast, dude. Yeah. I'm just the producer. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say either. 
I don't know. We need to get we need to get some good guests on. Well, show. I was thinking of bringing on a couple of friends from college, and then you had an idea for a guest, which we won't tease, obviously, because we can't be certain. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, but there's a mystery guest coming, maybe in a couple of episodes. Big guest. A big guest, and then I was going to have a couple of uh, cinematographers, designers, maybe even some photographers. So, I mean, this is a part of the episode where it's like, you know, I would ask you what projects you're working on, but I think we talked about it initially. Mm-hmm. Like you, we talked about how you're working on the box office artist, and you're working on a couple other like. So, you, yeah. do you upload weekly? Which at which channel do you upload to weekly? Well, I decided to to not only to only focus on one channel this time, so right. that you yeah. know, it keeps things simple, and um, you can actually grow the channel, have a better chance at growing the channel. Right, and I think, and I think my intention with this podcast is to help you grow that channel by including you in episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, Red Current Entertainment's the sponsor of the of the podcast. Um, no, I mean, yeah, we try and build Doctor Masaki, right? Yeah, yeah. So and, uh, that's the plan. Yeah, I mean, we we made an update video back in twenty end of twenty nineteen, saying you know twenty twenty is gonna be a big year. We're gonna bring do more Bollingston films, but that didn't happen. So I think we're gonna push that to this year. Do Bollingston films? We should do Blue Inflatable Ballpark three, three and and Rookie, and the Rookie. Yeah, yeah that's true. I think twenty twenty one is gonna be tougher than twenty twenty. Who said? Oh yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty one is going to be tougher than twenty twenty. Who said? Who said? W H O. Who said? Oh, who oh, said? Who said? Yeah. World Health Organization. Yeah. Who said? Twenty twenty one is going to be tougher than twenty twenty. Who said? Who said? Who said that? Who said? That thanks, Kevin, sad. for being on this episode. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Cameron, for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for having me in your in your studio. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's our creative space. It's our creative space. Um, and it's so freaking hot today. It is really freaking hot. Thank so uh, thanks everyone for listening to episode two of Framework. Yeah. Make sure that if you still have not seen Sky Pogum versus the World, check it out. And depending on where you are listening to this, it might actually be in theaters. If that is the case, go watch it in theaters. It's the best way to see the movie. You can watch it on Prime Video as well. It's available on Prime Video. Or in YouTube also. Thanks, everyone. We'll release first Monday of every month. All right. Take care and stay safe. Bye.